all your taxes go to military installations on foreign bases 800 of them but no other country has a military base in america because it's a fear tactic it's a fear tactic we are a fascist police state fascist police state wasting your money it could go to education or making millions of jobs upgrading our energy grid but no 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 we are a fascist police state fascist police state hey we are recording finally kenya's yawn um <laughs> What, is, what are we called? You're not special. We're all racist. I forgot for second. Yeah, I'm here. We're all racist. <laughs> Which I also want to, because I kind of like skimmed over it. Fun where I was like, I don't believe that black folks can be racist. It's not that I just don't like, that's not like a personal belief. That's just kind of like the way it is. Um, and I was thinking of like an analogy for this because I'm like, I'm not going to sit here. We're not going to sit here and go through every detailed history of like why black folks can't be racist but here's the best analogy are you ready ready yeah ready yeah so let's think of racism like a cake right <laughs> and hear me out white folks are the ones who you know gathered their ingredients or stole did what they had to do, quote unquote, for these ingredients. And they figured out that these ingredients make a cake. And they make this cake, they bake it, they whip it together, whatever. Um, but since we, since they're the ones who made the cake, they're also the ones who get to distribute said cake. So they get most of the cake because it's good cake. And then, you know, some people of color get some cake, but like not as much and, you know, varying amounts men and women get different, you know, whatever. It's not a perfect analogy. My point being is that black folks never got any cake. They never, the way it's set up historically and it continues to be, they don't get cake. They don't get the ingredients to make cake. They can't bake the cake. There's no way for them to eat said cake. Right, right. I don't know if that's the best analogy, but that's what my brain came up with because I'm just like, the point is we've eaten all of the cake. The cake is gone. It's a finite amount. We've taken it all. You know, there's none for, none for them. They don't get any. They can't get any through the obstacles that were put in front of them from being able to do so. want to be like before we really started the uh the talking point of this episode did we want to add any um reflections from after like listening to the first episode things that we wanted to acknowledge or hold ourselves accountable for or just clarify anything that we may have said that seemed a little bit not clear that we would like to clarify i will never say the word like again in my entire like <laughs> Ever. Um, <laughs> uh, I have a few notes that I wrote down, and I think like the first one 
I just wanted to point out that I made my family sound really awful, and they're not. <laughs> um, it's just like the difference in what we um, choose to research about and like talk about. Um, I have just been one to like think about certain topics that they never really had to like think about before and it's just the it's like a generational difference not to like bring that card into it but the idea of how gen z and like zoomers and like you know all of us we're here to make change and like want to make big changes whereas a lot of people who are in the older generations tend to just say like you're not going to be able to change everything and just kind of do what you can but we're not here to play games like that we're here to actually do things um and then my other one was just kind of how i could see how people could mistake the way i was talking about cancel culture as being tone policing but personally for me I don't think I'm tone policing. Correct me if I'm wrong, please. But I don't believe I am because I'm not talking about the ways in which uh, black indigenous people of color need to silence or change how they show their anger, frustration, any emotions to make white people comfortable. What I am saying is from a white person to a white person, making other people feel bad about different topics will not help. Shaming people and holding people accountable are two very different things. And we need to realize, as white people, talking to my, to my white people out there, <laughs> you need to realize you're not better than anyone else. And you have probably been in that same mindset once where you didn't know everything. Mind-blowing, you know? So it's like, if you think about how you were capable of change, I'm sure a lot of other people are also capable. But no one's going to want to listen to a white person that says everyone else is a fucking idiot for whatever reason. Because they're not going to feel comfortable talking to you. You know what I mean? It's like... If you feel as though you're up on like the knowledge list of being able to call other people inferior, maybe redirect that energy towards actually educating other people rather than making them feel bad. You know, like as a white person, you're not experiencing any of these issues. Amelia and I had a conversation and Amelia said something really great where she said, white people don't get to act as though they're as fed up with oppression as a black indigenous person of color is white people have never felt that type of oppression before and you can't start being like i'm so sick of this like honey you've you have no idea so rather than trying to take this as a moment to like make yourself feel better and prove to other people that you're better or you're some sort of way maybe actually take this opportunity to educate your damn self and work on yourself and actually help people and not make it about you so that's all i have to say <laughs> yeah i think adding on to that um i mean i think the same goes for like 
color too because I know like I've been guilty of like redirecting conversation or something because of like you know things that I felt that have been done to me where it's like yeah but it's never you know we're all intersectionality you know we're all feeling different levels of um some of us, most of us, honestly, most of us are feeling like the um, downside of all of that, but it's also like, okay, then recognize that ultimately, like, black people in America do have it, so, like, systematically working against them specifically because of our history, and that's something that, like, we need to recognize and fucking fix, like, how long has it been? And, and it can be frustrating, it can be to like get so worked up over it like I know just being here in Boise like I I want to burn down houses but like there's been an alarming amount of people overtly showing their pride for Trump and America and it just irks me in so many kinds of ways but like I know that for in order to truly support those communities that need it I can't you know I'm not gonna go out and fucking yell at people and and you know get in their faces about it it's like we need to figure out productive ways of like supporting those communities um and recognizing that who which communities are the most affected most oppressed most like needs um our support also we're throwing out the rule having parents who are 
immigrants and then also they still I'll I mean for me I'll, I'll be talking to like somebody like my dad or something and then I'll try to explain something that I would think someone who has had the experience of not speaking this language very well or being new to this country or maybe feeling like held down or something in that type of way it's it's hard to like converse a little bit or like maybe he doesn't understand or, or it's just like well what's wrong with this you know I never really had a but like just didn't notice that this was an issue so it's really hard for that type of mentality like to be almost like passed down a little bit just sort of ignoring things and maybe it was just a lot easier to pretend you're this way just to get by and it's kind of been it's hard to unlearn almost it's 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 kind of like you know this is really something that happened to you and i i mean i'm not going to be the one to say like it's still happening to you you're just sort of choosing to not see it um maybe because it was easier and it was easier for you to pass it down or you know so it's yeah it's hard to that's that's what i mean by by having um being a person of color that is not black and then being a part of the problem um a lot of it kind of has to do with with unlearning that and realizing like um, just because you're not, you know, this type of person doesn't mean that you're still not contributing to the problem, just in a different way. So. Yeah, and I think that speaks a lot to, like, the, the generational thing Heather was talking about earlier. Like, we also have to understand if we do have parents who are people of color um, or black or indigenous, that they also grew up in a different time and they have their own generational trauma. And I think, like, that's thing I have ever come to realize is that like our parents are just people and you know they went through their own things like very similar to what we're going through now but a lot of things are different um Ken did you have anything that you wanted to reflect on before we get into this heavy two or even three part episode I mostly think that cancel culture in and of itself the basis of cancel culture was meant to be progressive and I think that in a way it still can be it just needs to be like reined in a little bit more it needs to be controlled a little bit better and not just used as a way to just incite hatred for specific groups of people and so I think I think I think the easiest way uh for me, like last time when I talked about cancer culture, um, how to me it seems, it's still it's like a subscription for something. I think that was the easiest way that it was ever explained to me and the easiest way I explained to someone else just like it's a subscription when it's proven, when whatever you're subscribed to is proven to cause harm or damage or be just genuinely unhelpful in a situation, pulling your support from it and funneling your support into things into resources that can actually benefit the greater good when, when it's used to benefit an entire group as opposed to when it's used to just tear down one specific person yeah just try as hard as you can to make sure you're educating yourself and why you're doing it and you're not just like following the hashtag right. blah blah is over party and then if you're gonna mass cancel someone like use that as a tool to educate like this is why you're being canceled don't just be like oh canceled nope i like that that's it make sure it's a, there's a reason behind you potentially trying to end someone's life or their career right yeah and that is on period 
Period. Um, I'm glad that we did our reflection. We're going to try and make sure that we reflect on um, our last podcast every single week. We want to make sure that if we have anything that we felt as though we didn't touch upon correctly or that was not clarified properly or not what we meant at all or if someone comes forward and tells us why they feel as though something could have been changed to have been phrased better or that what we said was offensive for x y and z reasons we will definitely always make sure that we talk about it and continue to hold ourselves accountable because that's what we do here so join the party or leave I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just being honest. If you don't oh. like it here, leave. Get out. Get out. <laughs> Yo, that's yeah. funny. Oh, I really became one of those people for a second. But this yeah. is this is a better place than America. Um. Anyways. Um, this podcast <laughs> is a better place than all of America. <laughs> I mean. Uh, what have we done? <laughs> um, this could be a good transition into what we're going to be talking about. Um, since- uh, well, we wanted to talk about um, ACAB, All Cops Are Bastards, um, and we wanted to really delve into police systems a bit more, the criminal justice system, all of those different things that we've been seeing constantly everywhere. We have all collectively done a good amount of research. Um, We are not saying by any means that we know everything under the sun of uh, these different topics. These are just some things that we found to be very interesting to us. Things we think, you know, people should know. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Amelia, you seem to have a really good way of explaining ACAB. Would you like to? <laughs> I have a really good <laughs> Yeah, okay. Um, I mean, if, you know, you're just hearing people yell ACAB at random cops or whatever, this is not, ACAB does not promote violence against cops. Let's, let's get that cleared out of the way in case there's any confusion for anyone. I don't know what kind of audience we have right now, so it's, we're all in different places in our journey. Um, Black Lives Matter movement and ACAP, they have no intent of, like, targeting and, like, murdering police officers. That's not, that's not what we're here for. That's not it. Um, but essentially, it doesn't actually mean every single cop is a bad cop. Just like saying Black Lives Matter doesn't mean white lives don't. So all cops are bastard essentially means that every single police officer is complicit in a system that devalues the lives of people of color, specifically black folks. Um, This doesn't mean that there are not cops who are good people. It just means that the system itself, again, we're coming back to this theme of systems, um, it's not good. It's not inherently good. It's a bad job. It's it's a broken machine. Doesn't do good things. If anyone has anything to add on to that. Um, yeah, I saw this TikTok of, I think it was J. Cole talking about 
the phrase good cop, like, you know, that whole improv game that theater kids play, good cop versus bad cop, or good cop, bad cop, whatever. Um, and he was basically saying how it is contradictory towards itself because when you say, you can say that there are good individuals that are cops, but there's no such thing as a good cop because the police force has been founded on a very corrupt system revolving around point blank period killing black people that's what it was for that's what it was created for was to do that when uh you know slavery was going on that's what it was made for you can also see lizzo's tiktok about it it's really good (laughs) um but you know it's like you can't say that there's really such thing as a good cop because of what the police force was founded on much like you know many other things but specifically when it comes to police it was just it was found on killing minorities so you can say that there are good individuals who are cops but that doesn't mean that they're in the right for supporting that system and we can just hope that there are people out there which there are who are cops who are also you know protesting and trying their best to make sure that police get better (laughs) um if you still have uh trouble understanding that there's a little thing called statistics that you can look at those won't lie because those are true those are facts. Uh, those are actual facts. <laughs> and if you still don't believe those, and I'm not really sure where you live, but yeah. And then piggybacking off of like, like the basis of ACAB, and like Amelia and Heather said, like it's not to say that there aren't good individuals who happen to be cops. Like Heather said, cop. The whole police system was literally built around catching slaves. Like that's that's. That's that's how the police force came about. It came from what was known back then as slave catchers. And once slaves were granted freedom, quote unquote, granted freedom, what they would do is that slaves had to, or former slaves had to, I know in one area, it was like they had to meet a certain quota of like payment. So like for certain jobs that they were given, they would have to, pay back um like landowners and everything like that and i'm very very tired so my words may be a little bit jumbled but it is fine so um so basically if ex-slaves and their kids didn't like reach certain monetary requirements and they were arrested and they were forced to do manual labor so essentially they were just put back into slavery but since you know slavery was over they couldn't use the slave catching system to do that anymore so instead they just reformed it as the police force and there's this very 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 sad misconception that the police's job is to serve and protect and it's not a police a police officer even if they join the force with the intent to serve and protect the basis of the police system is to maintain order and control that's what they're there for. So, yeah, all cops are bastards. 
stuff that's it's in the job description. One thing that I was looking at when it was talking about uh, like why or one of the main reasons that black people have like this really huge stigma of like being dangerous and why you need to like protect your your, your white neighborhoods from black people. And um, in this interview, I cannot remember this man's name for the life of me, but it was an older interview um, and this man was talking and this white woman in the crowd was basically asking like, how should we, like why should we not feel afraid of black people? And he's like, I will be honest with you because there's nothing to be afraid of with us. He's like, what you're really afraid of is you've internalized your guilt so much from what you and your ancestors and your friends and your family has done to me and my people for hundreds and hundreds of years. And then what you did to indigenous people hundreds of years before that, he's like, you internalized that guilt so much that what you're really afraid of is that we are going to come after you for revenge. That's what you're afraid of. You're afraid that you are that we are gonna do to you what you did to us. And I was just like, ooh, go off, cut, cut, cut her ass, cut her ass right now, please. But um, that got me. And it was just like that's another big reason that plays into like why people go so hard to try and silence BIPOC people, but especially Black and Indigenous people, because they're like, like for. For anyone who has been traumatized by the shit going on in this country in terms, like, in terms of like general groups of people, it's black people and then it's indigenous people, like on the same plane. Cause like my indigenous ancestors, all all that shit, the First Nations, all of it taken, stolen, trampled over, and then they were all pushed to the side so they could bring over more people and wreck their shit too. People are so lucky that all we want is equality and equity and not revenge. Cause bro, I could run some shit up right now. I'll fuck some shit up right now. Black Jesus come back right now. Oh, it's like that fucking movie that's coming out. Um, Cracker? It's, yeah, it's every white person's nightmare that black folks are gonna like take over and enslave them and uh, but it was written and directed by a white guy. So I think that's what people are like failing to see. People are like, well, look, see, this is like, this is what you guys want, right? And it's like, no, that's what you think we want because you fucked them up so much. Like, the. We don't got time to be enslaving people. It's 2020. We out here trying to be moisturized and hydrated. We're not worried about enslaving people. There's this giant misconception that the word cracker like refers to white people for being like white or like having the skin shade of crackers. That's not what the term comes from at all. It's the sound of a whip. Black people are well because the sound of the whip cracks like a crack of lightning. So the word cracker does not hold any racial bullshit. It doesn't it doesn't hold any racial discrimination because it was referring to the sound of someone holding a whip. So, cut that shit now. Right. So, what did we really want to get into next? Where to start? Where does it start? Where um, do we start? <laughs> well, the prison system and everything like that. Um, from the documentary 13th on Netflix, there's a, a quote. Um, Obama says the United States is home to 5% of the world's population but 25 of the world's prisoners think about that Um, one out of four people are locked up here in the land of the free 
we have the highest rate of incarceration in the world. Well, we got to think about why that is and who that benefits. Hashtag privatized prisons. Yeah. Hashtag slavery still exists. Yeah. Hashtag what the fuck? Basically, uh, to start on the long trek of the history of what we see is going on today, there was a loophole in the 13th Amendment. Well, was. There is a loophole in the 13th Amendment that basically says that slavery is illegal except when you're using it as punishment for a crime, which is still going on today. Right. And then uh, making it impossible for them once they get out to ever yes. have a chance of living a normal life slash yes. basically getting... Well, yeah, there's so many... All these policies, I mean, okay, I posted something on our page a couple days ago about how the rhetoric, um, you know, this is in politics, human rights is, is, can be dangerous. And I was like, I haven't even really thought about it like that before, just because it seems so simple of like, well, of course these people fucking deserve human rights. Of course this is wrong. But then to it almost distracts from acknowledging that everything that exists today continues to be built on the backs of black and brown people, of poor people, and we're all contributing to that. And it, and we do make these policies, and or we support people. I fucking hate when people are like, oh, like, sorry, I don't support Mr. Cheeto Man or um, his whatever. You know, I just. You know, I'm for his what he, his policies or what he stands for. And it's like, okay, well, his policies that he stands for, what the fuck ever, uh-huh. um, those actually hurt and are dangerous to communities. And that is that is politics. We're 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 doing things. We're putting policies in place that are hurting people, and we're not fucking doing anything about it. So it's like, I don't know, something to think on. Yeah, um, there's a good the, a podcast. Kenya put in the group chat. I think it's real people talking shit. Yes, oh my god! I'll listen to real people talking shit. RP TS on Spotify. She is a gem. I will be finishing throughout the week. Yeah. For anyone who is confused or just wants to maybe understand a little bit more of when people are like trying uh, saying things slavery still exists not in the way that you're looking at it that you think that you you know like inherently if you saw something like that you would think uh that's obviously like illegal that's really bad yeah it's terrible but also things like that are still happening where'd you get where'd you get your right, like, i think it's keep it from you know they're doing it, it. Back, yeah i feel like it comes back to this idea of like oh police officers are heroes and they're protecting us from and they're protecting serve and all these things and and that's another thing we can talk about how cops are presented in the media and all these cop shows i i can guarantee you there is no existing force like the brooklyn like brooklyn 99 that that those police yeah. officers those they don't exist they okay don't. i'm sorry to bring yeah. it to you yeah um wish they wish they did that'd be that'd be neat um again not to say that every cop is a bad person or that a cop can't be a good person but a good cop is an oxymoron it doesn't exist also yeah. doesn't exist no matter how many times you see 
movies about it. It's not real. Um, and going back to the the policies that they kind of enforce, uh, kind of the policies that they do enforce. I mean, look at what's happening in Portland. Absolutely ridiculous. And someone someone said this to me when I was talking about trying to speak with them about it the other day. They're like. I just don't believe that cops are doing that. I don't believe that, like, cops are actively, like, going out and doing horrible things. Well, to them, it's not horrible. Right. Let's talk about policing for profit. Heather, what's the real word for it? Um, civil forfeiture. Civil forfeiture. Uh, yes, civil forfeiture. Um, all right, so every year, police and prosecutors around the United States take hundreds of millions of dollars in cash, cars, homes, other property, regardless of the owner's guilt or innocence. So there's two kinds of like forfeiture and it's criminal forfeiture and civil forfeiture and civil forfeiture you don't need to be found guilty of a crime for them to take your shit and then sell it and then get a profit off of that so over the years there's a lot of stuff on it there's a ted talk on spotify we'll link it in the in the comments we're not gonna go i'm not gonna like go super far into this but essentially um, the system again builds in these incentives for them to do these awful things. Yeah. And no cop's gonna turn on a cop. No cop to snitch on other cops. Like that doesn't happen. And to think that these people are just incapable of doing anything awful, or if you you know, hear about these stories, Amada Aubrey, Elijah McLean, uh, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, if you're seeing them and you're you're saying, oh, well, like, that's just one, that's just one guy. That's just one I guy that was on camera. Right. That was just one guy that we found, that we, that, that actually was seen. Why do you think mm-hmm. people are turning off their badges, covering their badges in protests, or turning off their body cams, or that whoever the fuck is in Portland doesn't have any identification and are driving around in unmarked cars. Why do you think that is? For our own good? No, honey. Like, that's not, not it. These people are not here to serve and protect. They're here to fucking follow orders. It's always a really, like, perplexing thing when I see people, and it's, it's primarily white people, that I see, like, when we have discussions about, like, what it feels like to be near a cop. So like at my, at, at the restaurant that I work at, there is a security guard who always comes in and everything. Super, super cool guy. But like the first time I saw him walk in, I literally, I, I put everything down. I didn't touch shit. Cause like, and it, we have, it's a restaurant. So we have knives, we have like hot plates, we have big ass pans. We have a lot of sharp objects around. I didn't touch shit. I just goddamn thing. I looked in his eye. You're not gonna, you're not gonna walk in here. Look at me. Think I'm about to do some weird shit. I think I'm about to go off and go crazy. No, I put everything down. I literally just stopped moving. And my boss was like, "No, what's wrong? Like, it's okay. Like, he's, he's cool. Calm down. He's a friend and everything." And I was like, "Okay, he's a friend of yours, right? Don't yeah. shit to me. Yeah. Every cop is a friend of somebody, and they're not my friend. So, yeah. No. So it's always very perplexing when." I hear people say that they actually feel safe around cops. It's like, no. Again, our store got broken into. I called my mom first. Then I called my boss. Then I called the cops. You know who got here first? My mom, my boss, and then the cops. 
there have been so many times where like wild shit have I've been followed by like creepy people on campus. I've had to like defend myself walking home late at night before. It's just like and all these things happening and my first thought is always I can't call the cops because I'm gonna get arrested even though I'm the person who's being victimized here. I'm like I can't it's just it's all it's very it's just very perplexing that people feel safe around people with badges. I don't feel safe around people with badges. I barely feel safe in a fucking hospital. Facts. So it's very it's very that's 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 probably for another episode. Oh <laughs> but it's just it's always very perplexing to see like like that there are people who genuinely think that cops just cannot be held accountable. And it's it all comes down to like a hero complex. You would never think that Superman was a bad guy. I hate Superman too, but whatever. Like no one would ever think that Batman was a bitch. No one would ever think that like these people that they've been taught for so long are meant to serve and protect. No one would ever think that they're capable of such bullshit. So like like for for a lot of like my white friends growing up, when they were talking about cops and everything, they're taught like, oh, these are your protectors. If there's ever anything wrong, you're ever in trouble, call the cops. What we grow up learning, and what I've had to talk to my little brothers and sisters about growing up about cops, if you see a cop, you state your full name, you state your age, if you remember your identification number, you state your ID number, you put your hands up, make sure they, they cannot find anything on you, always say, my name, like, if I were my younger sister, and if I see a cop who's coming at me, my first thing is, my name is Kenny O'Shea King, I'm 21 years old, I have nothing on my body that can harm me, my hands are in the air, please do not shoot, and you sit down and you shut the fuck up. That's what we have to teach our kids. Yeah. We don't get to teach them that they have a hero. The hero that they have is Jesus, wrong, and whoever walked through it at that moment. So if you, when you have to sit down and have that conversation with your kids, or if you've never had to sit down and have that conversation with your kids, of course you're not going to think that the cops are the bad guys. However, I was not raised trusting cops. Yeah. For good reason. I think that's something that a lot of people still need to hear. So um, I know that we all really appreciate you for like talking about that because it is like such a hard thing to talk about. But honestly, it's like so many people really need to hear that because there are so many people that choose to live in ignorance thinking that these things don't happen and that, um, quote unquote, black people are just overreacting, you know? And it's like, no, no, facts. It's like, let's go through it. Yeah, and it's like, that's like something that so many people really need to like understand is that it's like, it's not a joke, it's real, and it's happening every single day. Today's definitely been um, more of like a, just a wonky day in general for all of us. So we appreciate everyone's um, support as always. We appreciate anything that you would like to drop as a comment on our Instagram. And we appreciate y'all for sticking out what's going to be a very long series. Always remember, you guys can like us on our Instagram page. You're not special. We're all racist. If you have any questions or comments, you know, feel free to hit us up. But it has to be in a respectful way. This is a, this is a, a community of learning and educating and just 
it's open discussion and conversation. So again, we are always trying to learn and evolve and progress within ourselves. And we hope that we can be a vessel and a resource for you guys to do the same. Also, we're not going to be doing um, a Let's Unpack That today just because uh, we personally ran out of time in terms of like our personal lives. So everyone just smoke a bowl and vibe. Shit. Facts. Like everyone just like <laughs> take a second, you know? Okay. We got less than a minute, but I think All that right, was good. Perfect. Be kind to yourselves, be kind to everyone else, then uh, eat some chocolate. Stimulate your ghost. Let me eat it. <laughs> you <laughs> mean it. <laughs> Silly. All right. Uh, me and the boy wear the same shoe size. He wants a pair of Air Jordan 4s for Christmas. I buy them, and then I steal them from his closet, like a twisted Grinch-themed episode of Blackish. Uh, the kicks are totems to my youth. I wear them like mercury on my black man feet. I can't get those young freedom days back fast enough. Last time I was really fast, I was 16, out running a doorman on the Upper East Side. He caught me vandalizing his building. Not even on some artsy stuff, just stupid. Of all the genders, boys are the stupidest. Uh, 16 was a series of barely getting away and never telling my parents. I assume that my son is stewarding this tradition well. 16 was the low-end theory in Marvin Gaye on repeat. 16 is younger than Trayvon and older than Emmett Till. At the DMV, my boy's in line to officially enter his prime suspect years. Young, brown, and behind the wheel, a moving semaphore signaling the threat of communities from below. On top of the food chain, humans have no natural predator, but America plays out something genetically embedded and instinctual in its appetite for the black body. America guns down black bodies and then walks around them, bored, like laconic lions next to half-eaten gazelles, bloody lips, America and the black body on some Nat Geo shit. Oh, he passes his road test at the DMV. He does this strut sea walk broken fortnight thing on the way in to finish his paperwork. True joy and calibrated cool under the eye of my filming iPhone, the victory dance of someone who's just salvaged a draw. He's earned this win, but he's so 16, he can't quite let his body be fully free. When he's three, I'm in handcuffs in downtown Oakland. Five minutes ago, I was illegally parked. Now I'm in the back of a squad car, considering the odds that I'm going to die here. 15 minutes away from my son, who expects that in 18 minutes, daddy's gonna pick him up from preschool. There are no pocket-sized cameras to capture this moment, so. I learned a lot of big words when I was 16, getting ready for the SAT, but none of them come to me now. In the police car, the only thing that really speaks is my skin. I know this. I was parked on a bus zone on 12th and Broadway, running to the ATM on the corner. I pulled the cash out just as a police car pulls up behind me. Give him the all shucks, my bad, that earnest black man face. He waits till I'm back in the police car and then hits the siren, takes my license with his hand on the gun. Comes back two minutes later, gun drawn, another patrol car now, four cops now. 
My face on the curb, hands behind my back, shackled. I'm angry and humiliated only until I'm scared and then sad. I smell like the last gasp before my own death. I think how long the boy will wait before he realizes that daddy is not on his way. I think his last barely formed memory of me will be the story of how I never came for him. I try to telepathically say goodbye. The silence brings me no peace. The quiet makes it hard to rest. In the void, there is anger mushrooming in the moss at the base of my thoughts, a fungus growing on the spine of my freedom attempts. I'm free from all except contempt, the spirit of an unarmed civilian in a time of civil unrest. No peace, just Marvin Gaye falsettos arching like a broken-winged sparrow competing against the empty sirens, singing the police. Apparently, some cat from Richmond had a warrant out on him. And when the cop says my name to dispatch, dude doesn't hear Mark Joseph, he hears Mike Johnson. I count seven cars and 18 cops on the corner now, a pride around a pound of flesh. By the grace of God, I'm not fed to the beast today. Magnanimously, the first cop makes sure to give me a ticket for parking in a bus zone before he sets me free. The boy is 16. He has a license to drive in the hollow city enough body to fill my shoes i have gray in my beard and it tells the truth he can navigate traffic in the age of autonomous vehicles you know people say the talk like the thing happens just once like my memory's been erased and my internet is broken like i can't read today's martyred name like today's the day that i don't love my son enough to tell him bro i really don't care about your rights yo your mission is to get home to me Live to tell me the story, boy. Get home to me. Today's talk is mostly happening in my head as he pulls onto the freeway and Marvin Gaye comes on the radio. I'm wearing the boy's shoes and the tune in my head is the goodbye that I almost never said. A goodbye the length of a requiem, a kiss, a whiff of his neck, the length of a revelation and a request flying high in the friendly sky without ever leaving the ground. My pain is a walking baseline, a refrain placated stress against a fading baseline. Listen, this is not to be romantic, but to assert a plausible scenario for the existential moment. Driving while black is its own genre of experience. Ask Marvin. It may not be the reason why you sing like an angel, but it surely has something to do with why heaven bends to your voice. The boy driving. The cop in the rearview mirror is a ticket to ride or die. When you give a black boy the talk, you pray he is of the faction of the fraction that survives. You pitch him the frequency of your telepathic goodbye. Channel the love sustained in Marvin's upper register under his skull cap. Black music at its best is an exploded black hole responding to the call of America at its worst. Strike us down. The music lives dark like tar or tobacco or cotton in muddy water get home to me son like a love supreme a god as love a love overrules feathers for the angelic lift of the restless dead like a theme for trouble man or 16 year old boy free to make mistakes and live through them grow from them holy holy mercy mercy me mercy mercy